Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to the show and joining me today is your friend and mine at MTCBTC, El Micro Achad, who joins me to talk about Bitcoin, of course, uh, 21ism, his uh, work within that project, which uh, we get into towards the end of the show, and many other things, what shaped his life and what brought him to Bitcoin, the usual rabbit hole kind of stuff as well. And stick with this one because at the end he drops a little bit of a challenge. Uh, for those of you with kids, it's definitely worth sticking around and listening to this because I think you might find it a fun little challenge. He is the creator of Sats Ledger as well, so make sure you head over to that website, satsledger.com, and pick yourself up a little pack for the kids. Before we get into the show, a big thank you to all of you who support the show and listen to it and retweet it and get it out there and are joined in the banter on Twitter. I really appreciate it. Thank you for making this what it is. Thank you to the show sponsors, coinfloor.co.uk, relay.ch, and swanbitcoin.com. Use forward slash bitten at all of these URLs and they will help you stack your sats, whether you're in the UK, across Europe, or in the US. These guys have you covered, they're Bitcoin only, and they are solid. But then you've got to take control of your coins. Do not get wrecked. Just DCA, keep buying, head down, just stack sats. Do not over leverage, do not trade, and take control. Get them on a hardware wallet. You can use the Bitbox 02 hardware wallet. It's Bitcoin only. And it's made by shiftcrypto.ch forward slash Bitson. That will get you a 5% discount. These guys are legit. I've got an, in, uh, an interview with Douglas coming out soon, the CEO. Look out for that one. Let's do this show with MTC. Thanks so much for listening. Yeah. Okay, I am recording too. So we are good to go. MTC, BTC. Welcome to the Once Bitten podcast. This is... Certainly not the first time we've ever spoken, but it's uh, this is the first recorded conversation. Great to see you, man. You too. It's been a while, Dan. And Lauren, nice to see you as well. I hear you guys have been uh, having a great time out in Mallorca. How long were you, were you out there for? Uh, Mallorca and... Marbella. Yeah, Marbella. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, a week each. Great. It's a lovely place. Good sun. Nice sea. Good mm. food. Surprisingly, I didn't get tan. Like I got tan the tiniest babies, but I thought I'd get tanner. But surprisingly, no. Too much. I I was disappointed in myself. Yeah. <laughs> Too much time in the tube slide. No, I, I, no like <laughs> yeah, we went in. We went in after uh after a couple of times, but it was boring because we could only go down like that. <laughs> yeah, there were lots of rules and regulations on the slide. Ah. Uh, no face masks, though. So, so we stopped. Going. Face masks. Yeah, t- t- yeah, <laughs> mate. 
they wanted you to wear face masks around uh well, anywhere outside you had to wear face masks in spain or uh yeah in in mallorca as well so even on the mainland and on the uh the balearic islands we didn't even wear them no <laughs> we refuse <laughs> it's like no way uh, i'm gonna walk around in the beautiful i mean you're on an island that is a mediterranean island beautiful sea air slight breeze blue skies you're gonna wear a mask. You're gonna ask your child to wear. It. Mate, you've triggered me already. You're yeah. good. We're, we're like we're thirty seconds in. Yeah. I wasn't intentional, but yeah, it is terrible. You know, being by the sea, it's it's so uh, it's healthy. You know, it's so good for you. You're getting you know being in the sea, being around the sea. You've got all these lovely negatively charged ions. You know, coursing through your veins and and this beautiful fresh air. And you've you've got a mask on like a like a dog. Forget that. It's not for me. There were people walking across the beach with masks on. And then when they got to their seat or got to their towel and laid down, they would take it off. And then they would get back up and put it back on to walk to the seat. And you're like, what, what are you doing? Yeah. This is this is beyond mental. And this isn't behavior I want my kids to see. This is yeah. like, these, this, this is not the new normal. I will not yeah. let this be the new normal. Agreed. And also, it's not like if you're sick, it's not like you're going to go outside and cuffle everyone. Normally, you just stay home, have soup or have something healthy for, to recover, have medicine. And then maybe a week or a couple of days, you're, you're, you're back, you're up, you're, you're going to work. Yeah, like doing stuff. Yep. Never go into medicine. They teach you the opposite of that. Yeah, I know. Crazy, right? <laughs> Conventional medicine. I mean, there are other branches of, of medicine and healing and mm -hmm. wellness that, that you could go into. But yeah, certainly as far as establishment medicine goes, by and large, it seems to be opposite. I mean, on, on the mask front, Lauren, one, one thing I'd say to you is that it's interesting for you to see this unfolding. Uh, I'm not sure that I got a ringside seat like you did with the dad who is as aware as your dad is. And, and the saying that springs to my mind is that people go mad in crowds and only come to their senses individually one by one, you know. So it, throughout periods of history, this kind of thing has happened, um, this, this kind of form of collective insanity and madness. And you're in a, a very rare position of, of being able to see it unfold um, and seeing it for what it is as well. So What do you... You must be having the same kind of conversations with your kids that I'm having with mine. This is, it's so important as far as I'm concerned. And I, and I urge, my oldest is almost 16 and I'm like all over her. Like, you know, you've got to tell your friends, your friend group that this is not right. And you've got yeah. to stand up. She chooses to go to school, right? So uh, it's like, you, you guys have got to band together and you got to take these things off because up yeah. until recently, they're broken up now, thankfully um but like the whole of last year they were one week on one week off and full masks it's yeah. like you, this this is the time you've got to you know come together talk about this does this make sense and if it doesn't you've got to push back against the system because if you don't for sure yeah the the yeah, go on, Laura. Uh, you, like, you uh, when, when, when my sister Caitlin was class representative, like maybe uh, every twice a week he'll bring it up, or like maybe more he'll go like, Caitlin, your class 
representative, you have to stop these masks, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and she was like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. It's just going to be too embarrassing and stuff like that. And I was thinking about it. I was like, it, it does sometimes, like, like you, um, I don't know how to explain, but it kind of like makes you feel embarrassed to do something what like it's against the rules. To do something brave. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it is. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. Like and Caitlin's just like, no. The most important conversations you will have in your life will be the uncomfortable ones. This is why people don't have them. Yeah. It's why people stay in very bad relationships for a very long time. Whether that's with your friends or with your girlfriend or boyfriend or husband or boss you know it goes on through your life and um mtc i mean let's get some of his wisdom uh, i i yeah it's called being outside of your comfort zone and i, I think what, what i've observed is that it, it's it's very easy to reason and rationalize with with kids and to uh, i think they have a, a, a everybody has an, an kind of innate sense of what's right and what's wrong and that kind of gets drilled out of you over time or skewed or dampened and social norms uh, and society in general and, and culture and, and aided by um, influences from particularly the, the media as well, drive people away from uh, calling out what's right and what's wrong. Um, I don't remember who said this, but the name just escapes me momentarily. But the quote was, all that is required for evil to prevail is for good men to do and women to do nothing. Because the there are there's good people in the world. There's not so good people in the world. There's bad people in the world. And my, my experience is that you tend, at least the way in which society is set up currently, um, with a kind of pyramid structure and, and big corporations, big institutions, big businesses, etc. You tend to find people who aspire for power and control rising to the top. And it becomes difficult to speak out against those people or uncomfortable to speak out. Um, society just seems to be kind of set up that way. So, So anything that you know, in times when you feel that there is a calling inside of you to call out something, an injustice, something that you see that's wrong, I see that as your your inbuilt sort of autoimmune response. Like your body produces the ability to make itself well when it gets ill. You know, we have a phenomenal capability to heal if we give our body the right inputs and stop giving it the bad ones. And I, I see, you know, your sense of knowing what's right and wrong, and your, your uh, motivation to call out bad things as your body's autoimmune response, your conscience's autoimmune response. And the closer you can stay to what your version of th that truth is and who you are and what you believe is, is right and what's wrong, the more likely you are to realize what your, your full potential is. And it's, it's, there's a blurred line, isn't there? I, I've, I've found in, in my experience. And uh, if we use uh, the workplace as an example, if you are 
you know, trapped underneath a bad boss and you, you see what's going on and you want to call out the bullshit. You feel as though you're calling out the bullshit when you're talking to your peers and colleagues down the pub when he or she is not around. And that kind of venting session, you know, you feel as though you've done what you need rather than get to the crux of the problem and face the problem down with that exact single person that is calling all of the problems and then call them in to take them to the next step of the hierarchy because, you know, we are all trapped in these systems of hierarchy and getting that sorted out. So, yeah, I would say that um, very few people are are willing to to step up and uh, step up to the line and 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 you know go nose to nose and say no this this really is bullshit this mm. is wrong yeah and it's especially hard if you are trapped on the hamster wheel and you are dependent on that salary mm -hmm. or if you are you know again dependent on a relationship or, or whatever it is the situation that you find yourself in you'll go and complain to the masses in private you know, your friends, whatever, close enough family, but you won't face the, pro uh, the, the problem straight dead ahead. When did that get beaten out of us? This is, um, this is a real interesting kind of psychological. I think we would, re we would retain it under normal circumstances. And it's been drilled out with most people over the course of 12 years of institutional schooling, you know, that, the, the, the schooling system. So there's hope for you, Lauren. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely there is. Absolutely there is. You, you, you know, you're recognising that, that this is happening and that there's, there's evidence of, um, of this all over the place. I'm sure your dad points out all sorts of different things to you across a full sort of spectrum of, you know, how, how your life pans out and, and the things that you come across within it. Too many. Too many. <laughs> Uh, you sound like you sound like my daughter. I do. I do the same with her. We, we're how how old are your kids? Similar age to yours, ten and eight. Right. Yeah. And like, yeah. Uh, uh, you can carry on. No, no, go on. I mean, it's fine when he talks about Bitcoin, but when he talks about it every single day, every single hour, it just gets annoying. But the reason is, Lauren, and. Um... MTC will back me up on this is that we've come to the realization that all roads lead to Bitcoin. Everything that we've seen in our 40 plus years on this planet, all of the experiences that we've had, all of the choices that we've made or been forced to make, unknowingly being forced to make, is all because of a broken system. And what is it I tell you is broken all the time? Uh, money. And I actually thought you were being dramatic, like, 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 he's like, oh, money's broken, the world's broken. I was like, okay, that's a bit dramatic, daddy. But like, when I was in the car, um, talking to my mom about like, why do we poach stuff for like, tusks and stuff? And she said, it's for the money. So and there you go. That was just like, Why do you, wow, say, say that again for daddy me, Daddy is right. What do you mean by poach tusks? Like, like, um... Hunting elephants yeah. for, for their... Oh, oh sorry. I th when you said we, I thought you meant you guys. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> right. Yeah, we don't do that. No, no, no. I was thinking that it was, it was some French thing that I hadn't come across. It's a way of cooking some mushroom I hadn't heard of or something. But yeah, okay. Yeah, a poached tusk. Yeah, yeah. poached tusk. Random quotes. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
<laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It is the money. And, and this is the thing, you know, it, it incentives. People are trying to put food on the table. Um, they'll often find the easiest means of doing that. Uh, but when you realize that unsound money is, is, is driving, incentivizing people to doing worse and worse things, and it puts us on a, a treadmill that we just simply can't keep up with. Uh, you, you start to understand why some of these things that are happening in the world that we, we perceive as, as being wrong or unjust are, are happening. And it's the same in a, in a business context. You know, it's all about incentives. Businesses are measuring their, their bottom line performance or how much revenue, how much profit they're making over time. And, and, and they, they just have one direction largely there are some of the com some companies who are trying to break out of this mold right and rather than uh, measuring just by profits they're, they're kind of measuring by heartbeats and and their contribution to society that there are more and more examples of that but the fact remains that when we're all using a monetary standard that is being corrupted you know it's a real base layer it's the way in which you know, something that's fundamental about how society operates and the, the players within it. You know, if you look at your computer, for example, you've got a Mac or you've got a phone, you know, you've got the operating system like the iOS or your Mac OS. That sits there and provides the base layer on which all the applications and your data and all the cool things that you do on that machine operate. And if that base layer is corrupted, everything becomes corrupted eventually. So we have to fix that. And once we fit, and we... We, Satoshi provided us with a way of doing that now. He provided us with a new operating system. And I'm really optimistic about the future because of that. And I think you've got a lot to look forward to. But as you can see right now, there's going to be uh, some strong headwinds as we move towards that. But, you know, this has been, this has been happening for a long, long time. You know, the first central bank... I think people often say it's, it was the Bank of England. I think it was actually one in, in the Netherlands. It was established around sort of 1600s. And in fact, prior to that, with, with, with gold coins, Roman emperors would clip the sides of the coins, as your dad told you about this, called coin clipping. They, no. they, so, so All the things he talks about, he doesn't talk about that. <laughs> okay, well, he can listen now. I know. So, so the, what gold provided a you know the, the the previous sort of version of what we we saw as the the most sound monetary standard that we'd had. It required a lot of work to go and dig gold gold out of the ground, refine it, and then cast it into coins and uh, and use it as money. But some emperors got greedy in in ancient Rome, and uh, the gold coins would each have a particular uh, weight or shape about them. And so they would, they would shave off the edges. You know, kind of imagine a gold coin as your fingernail. These emperors would, would like biting your nails, they'd clip off an edge. They'd take those clippings, melt them down, and cash new coins from it. And this ruined the money because it, over time, people had less and less money to exchange. The money became corrupted. So it's been happening for a long time because there's an awful lot of power involved in, in being able to... Uh, mint money from nothing, create money from nothing. Right? You heard of alchemy, creating you know, something out of nothing. Well, we, we, we actually have alchemy now, which is where central banks create money 
and steal value from everybody else. Most people just don't don't realise this is happening. But but the future looks bright. The future looks bright. And if, if I was sitting in your in your position, you know, understanding what you do at this you know young age that you are, um, but you're you're getting a grasp of Bitcoin and how the world works at a much much earlier part of your life than most people have now well into their you know later stages of life uh, and you're going to have the ability to compound on that and, and grow in with that as your base operating system for yourself and that bodes really well for, for you and and your friends as well who you can educate and share your wisdom and knowledge with mm. and you've done almost like uh, probably around 150 shows talking to people like uh, MTC and uh, whoever else you've spoken to. It's been a, it's been a journey, huh? 150 shows. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I think this is show 167 for you, Dan. Yeah. Right, we and... need to like bake a cake, but like 150 yeah. episodes. Yeah. yeah. Do you enjoy um... doing it? Do you enjoy doing it, Lauren? Huh? Do you enjoy doing it with your dad? Yes. But when he doesn't say it sooner, like when it's just like nearly the time, he's just like, oh, Lauren, we've got a podcast tonight. I'm just like, what time? He's like, uh, nine. And it's like, for example, we're eating. And it's like nearly nine. I'm just like, why don't you tell me this sooner? It, it's, it's on the shared family calendar. You just have to check the Google calendar. I don't check the Google calendar. Why would I check the Google calendar? Nor does your mum. Don't tell her I said that. But... <laughs> But if even if I did tell you first thing in the morning, would you have remembered by the evening? Kinda. <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, I won't remember my question, but I will remember things. You you test think me. you'd remember the time? Yeah. And the person. Test me. Test me. <laughs> <laughs> or I could just say, "Oh no, we've got a podcast. You're a bit podcast something this time." Yeah, you see, she, she's 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 calling me out on the scheduling of of the uh, of the podcast. So, got to work as a team, guys. Got to work as a team. Yeah. I know. Do you have any more questions before you? Uh... Yes, I do. So, why did you make Sats Ledger? Uh, I made Sats Ledger. Uh, so, so my my autoimmune system created a, an itch in my soul that I, I, I had to scratch and, and I often get these and, uh, and they, they just seem to be little directions that, that I, I want to take and, and produce things in the, in the real world. So Sats Ledger uh, was an idea I had, how long, I don't know, within the last two years, 18 months or so. And the reason why I had it was because I, I became so passionate about Bitcoin um, and wanted to uh, start the process of helping my kids understand it. Uh, but I found that it was difficult for young kids, so they would have been, what, eight and six at the time, to grasp some of the concepts associated with Bitcoin. And also, it, it, it's, not, it's a digital form of money, right? It's, it's not physical. It's not notes and coins. It's something that exists really in the digital realm. So I wanted to create something that gave them a, a physical book um, and some stickers. Ultimately, that was kind of late, an idea I had later on to make the process of learning about Bitcoin fun and engaging and tactile 
and uh, something that existed in the physical world that they could touch and hold. Um, something that I think young kids like to have, you know, their own sense of personal property. This is one of the things that, you know, like, like knowing what's right and wrong, I think from a very young age, you know the concept of private property and what's mine is mine, right? And you feel like an injustice has been done if somebody takes that away from you. So, so I, I, I created it to help children learn some of these, the, con the concepts, what I found fascinating concepts associated with, with Bitcoin and to save more importantly, in Bitcoin, um, to see that their savings were able to, to, to build up over time. When I, when I was little, when I was a little boy, I would get my pocket money or I'd get money for my birthday from aunties and uncles and stuff. And I'd walk a, a probably once a month, once, a, once every couple of months to the village with my mum. And I had my savings book in my hand and I'd take my money in I deposit it in the bank with the cashier, or it's actually a post office account, and the cashier would update my book with how much my savings that were already in there had grown over time. And I was getting quite a lot of interest back then. It was somewhere between seven and ten percent on my savings account. So I'd go into the bank and over the course of a year I'd see, you know, ten, twenty, thirty pounds added to my account just through interest. It was free money. And I got a real kick out of that. And what I think you may know as well is that nowadays you don't get interest on your money anymore. In fact, banks are talking about taking money out of your account for you to hold it in there. Right? They're called negative interest rates. So I, I thought that was wrong. I wanted to give kids the opportunity to see their savings grow over time like, like I had. So that's why I made it. Uh, do you like Using it? You've got one, right? Have you used it yet? No, not yet. Not used it yet, okay. No, I don't. I, I... You were more impressed with the stickers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you like the stickers. The stickers are all over the place. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, the stickers on that orange thing, the stickers on the fridge, the stickers yep. on my sister's... Um, laptops. laptops, great. Yeah. So how do you save your your satoshis then? Do you have any? Do you have any satoshis? Did your, your dad been yeah. to satoshis? I actually do. And at the end of this month, daddy's supposed to give me ten. Mhm. Mm so my, um, my we have a spare phone, so she has. Uh, okay, so you've satoshis. got a wallet on your phone. Well, that's yeah. that's great. You know, that's the next step. I think my my ledgers are designed for maybe kids who are a bit younger. Um, who might, you know, maybe don't have a phone yet or a hardware wallet, that kind of thing. So, yeah, if you're, if you're already using that, then great. You know, ca carry on, and, and that's a, a great thing to do. You can see it for yourself. You're understanding it. But my, my, the, the ledgers are designed with maybe a slightly younger audience in mind who don't have any of that stuff set up yet. Mm. And also, I'm, I'm 10, and I have school to catch up with, so that's why, that, that's why I don't really do it. Oh, well, you mean yeah, um, like fill it in? Yeah, that's right. why I don't fill it in, and also I don't like I don't like I guess it, but I don't get all of it, you know. Yeah, well, that's what that this that's what MTC designed this for because it teaches you all. There's little stories halfway through. You see? Oh wait, I haven't seen that. Yeah, um, so, there you go, and it teaches you about different things about Bitcoin. So on page one here, you might be able to get some extra satoshis here, Lauren. 
on on each yeah. of the pages when you completed you know all of the 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 rows so i think there's 12 12 rows per page you can do little jobs around the house you know chores whatever it may be and and at the end of that page you get a block reward which you can agree with your dad you get for for mining your your blocks each block so um it might be a way for you to get some extra sets i don't know that's up to you but if what you're and doing you know, right if what you're doing right now is is working for you then then just keep doing that you know i i, I, I think that the thing for me is just getting people started right just get people started on that journey and and if they find um in, in a way of doing it that's different or better than great you know i'm not i'm not trying to uh yeah, hundred percent, mate. It's just like the, even just sitting here and, and hearing the words mining, mm -hmm. for example, um, or or sats. Yeah. This is, it's going in, right? The, yeah. the the kids, they understand it. Yeah, it's it's going in, right? And at some point, it's just gonna explode with all Two the dots are gonna align. Yeah. Two or one dread dreadful years of him <laughs> saying it all over again. It's finally going in our brains. MTC, can you imagine? I, I'm looking forward to the day. Well, I'm not because it means we'll be a lot older. But, you know, when these guys are 25 or 30 and, you know, they, they get that phone call and they just, like, give you that earnest thank you. Like, yeah. oh, my God. I would. Thank you for like, being at the forefront of this. And no. thank you for seeing this. And thank you for teaching us about it. And thank you for educating as many people as you could about it. I'm looking forward right to Right on, that. brother. Cool. <laughs> daddy, daddy, daddy. I'm saying it's, like, I like learning about it, but not when you speak about it. But it's been two or one dreadful years of you just repeating. <laughs> Everything we you yeah we we keep very very close what we say yeah we we try not bring up quarantines. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds it's to all... me like you've you've had an amazing few years, and I can imagine your dad banging on constantly about Bitcoin because I I do the same. Mm. But if you yeah. there's there's maybe some other stuff like going to Mallorca, right, and living out in the beautiful Dordogne countryside. That's really special. Yeah, that's yeah. very cool. And we're hopefully we'll get to do some more trips now. Um, yeah, I really want to go to Japan, Germany, and Italy. All right. That's the places where I've been. Germany and Italy probably a little bit easier at this point. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep Japan on the back burner. <laughs> we'll get there. Don't worry. I'm only going there for the anime and the movie. And, <laughs> <laughs> and for the food. I'm not going for anything else. Yeah. But you don't like sushi. Yeah, but I want to try different things, you know. Just because I don't like sushi doesn't mean that I can't go to Japan. You'd love a chicken katsudon, believe me. What's a chicken katsudon? You'll have to wait till you get to Japan. <laughs> or, a, or a peony prawn, where you eat everything on the prawn, including the head and the tail, apart in its shell, apart from this, what looks like a narwhal tusk on the end of its mm. nose. Yeah, you thing is... Use it as a toothpick. <laughs> I don't like fish. I don't like seafood. Ah. I really like it when there's no taste of fish. You will in Japan. Yeah. But like when it tastes fishy, I'm just like, uh-uh. It doesn't taste fishy in Japan, believe me. Do they put like a yummy sauce on it? On some dishes. 
But sushi is just raw fish. It's just on cut rice. Straight. Yeah. With seaweed. Or sashimi is just the raw fish. What's sashimi? Sashimi is the raw fish without the rice. It's just a piece of raw fish. Uh, and yeah, you have it with still. a little bit of wasabi and um, I soy sauce. I've had sushi, but I mm, still don't beautiful. like it. Anyways, I'm gonna go. Okay. So she's hungry. She's gonna. Shoot I'm gonna off. go eat my rice. <laughs> Lovely to see you again. Yeah. Thank you. Take bye. care. Bye. Mate, you might you might hold the the. No, I'm I'm drinking wine. Okay. So yeah, you can bring in the wine bottle <laughs> if, if if you can prize it out of mummy's <laughs> death-like grip. <laughs> uh, mate, you might hold the record for um, audience with Lauren. Uh, I I wonder I wonder what that is. I've never even uh, I've never even considered what that might be. Um, but, uh, mate, I've, I've I'd love to have a chat with with. You know the rest of your family as well about your your whole experience. I got started with your book last week, and I want to hear I, I want to hear about all your experiences, man. Uh, I, I'm not I'm not too far into it, but I, I love the fact that you have given Claire um, the end of each chapter as well. So the, my copy is going straight into into my missus's hands after I've finished <laughs> it. To, so that you can you can slowly do the dirty work for me of convincing her that we we need to uh, flee. It's amazing you bring that up because everybody brings that up, and that was the book almost went to print without any of that in it, and it was just before the project was finished. <clears throat> excuse me. That um, she had pretty much proofread every single chapter anyway uh and then i had i hired an editor to go through it who's a world um schooler herself and she'd written her own book about world schooling and i'd been interviewed as one of the people for her research so that's how i met her and she kind of said something along the lines of maybe we need uh, like a counter opinion or claire said to me I don't remember it exactly happening like this. I remember it happening this way. Yeah. And, you know, there I was thinking, this is all done. This project's complete. Oh my God, this has taken me so long. And it's like, oh no, this is all opening another whole rabbit hole. Like, okay, yeah, write some stuff down. And then that, that draft went into Ashley, who was editing. And she's like, we need more of this. Yeah. We definitely need more of this because this rounds the whole book out. Yeah. And so... Yeah, Claire stepped up and she did it, and uh, it was—it's um, an amazing um, feat that uh, you know. Actually, that—that's the biggest. <laughs> I'm now—I'm now joined the dots. The best feedback I get about the podcast is Lauren is part of it. The best feedback <laughs> I get about the book is Claire. <laughs> is part of it. That's just don't oh, that's brutal. <laughs> Well, look, you know, you set the table for them to to dine uh, around it, Dan. So uh, t take credit for that, at least. <laughs> uh, I, I think the the idea was inspired, actually. And when when I think about the conversations that I have with my wife, she often looks for the counter perspective as well. So for the book it provides added credibility uh, and honesty that you were prepared to you know, not just wax lyrical for yourself and, and, and sell that sizzle 
uh, from your own perspective. But yeah, she has a different view on things, right? She's got a different lens that she looks through. It was she saw all those same things that you did through a different pair of eyes, and 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 yeah, I think that's helpful. I think that's helpful. It, it helps people like my wife get a, uh, a yeah a well-rounded perspective on things because I I bang on to her about loads of stuff and she is the uh, the long-suffering wife for me, bless her. But she's she's come around to a lot of a lot of my thinking. Maybe not all of it, but certainly a, a whole lot of, of stuff. Um, but she's often reached out for those other more conventional thinkers to test the ideas off and and try and rationalise things. Because you know you do, we, we we've got very different views to how most people think about the world and see the world. Uh, and if you're anything like me, that wasn't always the case. You know, we, we grew up and, and went through the same shit that they did. But we, at some point in our lives, got the red pill or the orange pill. The veil suddenly dropped and we started to feel our way around things. And, and not everybody has a partner who's on, you know, who swallows the pill at exactly the same time. So, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of... that. That's not talked about enough, I don't think, in the space. That, that there's probably a lot of suffering pilled spouses whether you're the wife that's taken the orange pill or whether you're the the husband um and the other and, and the other just doesn't see what you see and it's tough it's it's because all of a sudden and it, it affects people in in different ways right it's you've experienced this as well like it now, when you talk to people about it and they're willing to go and learn and do the research, it takes almost no time at all. But four or five years ago, my God, that was really, really a, a, a long arc of trying to get to grips with what you're interacting with and what you're trying to understand and curate your thoughts. And you, you, it's very difficult to put them into words. Now it's a lot easier because so many other people have stepped up and created uh, books or articles or podcasts or YouTube videos, and you can borrow their epiphanies, which then all of a sudden click with the one that you've been struggling to, to put together for the last two or three years in your own mind, it all starts clicking into place. Um, so I, I hope people now that are coming into the space, they're up to speed in two to six months, but for the long sufferers, you, you might have marriages that have been around three, four, five years of just one side of it, understanding and the other side, just like, no, just a brick wall. Yeah. And making a life change is very difficult. If the other side is is not all in, mm -hmm. it's, it, it's very, very difficult. So yeah, yeah, um, I mean, it can be make or break, right? In some yeah. situations, which isn't ideal. Um, but people, people look for external validation. And I, I think this starts in school as well, right? You, there is a level of um, sort of emotional dependency that school children get encouraged to have, you know, the approvals of the teacher, et cetera, and, and that kind of thing. Uh, and and maybe, maybe that plays into the wanting to look around and seeing 
I mean, it's it's not quite that simple, but maybe if you're boiling it down, that's that's one element of it. For who else is is thinking like this? Who else is looking at this? Who else is, is buying it? You know, and if my friends my friends don't think like that, my wider family don't think like that. It's only you, and we all know that you're a bit of a nutter anyway. And you know, this isn't the first time that you've spoken to us about some outlandish thing like sound money. Then they, they don't buy it, and and this is one of the maddening things actually that. I've certainly experienced, uh, and I know uh, quite a few of the other Bitcoiners have as well, but yourself as well, perhaps, is is in trying to convince friends and family to to look at this. Um, you want them to be on this journey with you because you care about them so deeply, and it can be really disheartening. That I mean, it's great that other people are, are getting it, but you kind of expect that you've got this knowledge, you've got this insight that you can share, and yet they still won't bite. You know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it think, right? You, you, or you can lead a sheep to slaughter, but you can't, you can't make it think, as I say, right? So um, it, it's, it's, it's maddening and it's heartaching because you want them to be on this journey and you realize the implications, particularly in Bitcoin, of leaving it the longer and longer you, you leave it as as number goes up um, but you just have to do what you can i think everybody's dealt a different hand you know with i think super lucky when you look at some other people's lives it's a nice problem to have that you know about something that has the potential to completely change your life and and bring so much hope for humanity and you might, while you might want people to, to to feel the same who are particularly close to you, eventually they'll come round. And I, I'm wondering, actually, Dan, if I could ask you a question: was 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 part of the reason why you started Once Bitten a result of you wanting to help others see things, and or, or born out of frustrations from not being able to convince friends and family? Because I, I've personally taking similar routes with things, right, where you've hit a dead end with friends and family. And so you go, right, if you're not going to listen to me, I'm going to create, help to contribute to the environment that hopefully you'll tap into at some point and you won't be able to ignore it anymore because it's become so big. Was that partly what it was like for you? Exactly right. Exactly right. It, it, in fact, what I was going to originally do is because I, I would send links of articles to friends, family, you know, whoever. And I knew they weren't reading them. I just knew it. And I was thinking, well, what if I read them and then sent them the audio file? Surely they would listen to it. <laughs> so I, I remember putting this out on Twitter and I'd been a lurker for years. And I put this out on Twitter. Like I was all right. I'm thinking about reading articles about Bitcoin to friends and family. Do you think anybody would be interested in that? And somebody come back within like an eighth of a second. He's like, dude, Guy Swan's been doing that for ages. And I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? I'm like, what? Right, okay. So at least it was a great idea. And then that's how I found um, Guy's podcast. And that, even that, just finding that, and like four or five episodes into that, I'm like, oh my God. So I started sharing that around. And then it suddenly dawned on me, no. I've got to do something. What can I do? And I had already um, started interviewing uh, people for the 
first home, uh, global homeschooling summit that, that I put together with, um, with Vlad, who went on to found Galileo. Um, so I knew I had the skill set, and I knew I, I, I didn't mind. Most people stop when they hear themselves played back, but I'd list, I'd been listening to tapes of myself for 18 years throughout my whole career listening to deals gone bad and whatever else, uh, you know, you have to go back and listen to the tape. So I was comfortable with listening to my, my own voice. A lot of people don't like that and they just shut themselves down as soon as they do that. Um, there'd be a lot more podcasts in the world if, if, uh, if people could listen to themselves, uh, <laughs> then, um, then it just went from there, but you, you're totally right. I'd hit a dead end with trying to explain to people what it was, what I'd found, what sound money was, what the history of money was, what I'd learnt. Yeah. You know, it, it's an innate human trait to try and teach what you've learned. As soon as you've learned it, you want to go and teach someone else because that's the best way to instill it. Again, this is all instinctual. Yeah. It's with us. We know it. It gets beaten out of us. Yeah. It really does. But mate, I want to I want to take this back to before you even even kind of what before you found the rabbit hole, what the lead kind of like the lead up to it, you know, what um, you, you, I know you want to stay anonymous, so you don't have to name the kind of job that you're doing or the company or anything like that. But you must have at one point, you've probably fallen into a sector that you probably weren't even kind of guiding yourself towards these things just happen for whatever reason, something led you something, something within you is predisposed to, to finding Bitcoin. What, have you ever done soul searching on that? I think so. One of the most significant contributors, I think, was when I was very young, uh, younger than Lauren is now. I don't remember quite how old, but where uh, the situation I, I grew up in really loving sort of family environment, brother and si older brother and sister. And although they were quite a bit older than me, so I, I was unplanned. Uh, my, my dad likes to call me a mistake. I, I would prefer him to use the term accident rather than mistake, but you know, I don't, don't hold it against him. He, he's, a, he's a funny, he's a funny guy. But anyway, so, so that was all great. But then life, changed for us when my dad lost his job and he money suddenly became super tight and he, he we weren't flush anyway you know we were comfortable living in a you know, regular housing you know a regular estate and I went to state school and what have you uh, primary school and <clears throat> and when he lost his job suddenly th this specter of, of lack of money and lack of resources um, hit our family and I remember there being lots of arguments you know late at night after I'd gone to bed and in fact during yeah during the evening times it is it, unfortunate you know and I, I don't I don't blame them for having the stress you know you, you, you never know what kind of hand you're dealt and and certainly for, for, for them they grew up in Liverpool and um, yeah went through standard schooling there and 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 I, and I guess they 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 didn't they might have wanted to, but it, we we weren't really shielded as kids from that stress so much. What was your dad's job? What 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 was taken away? 
Uh, he worked as a... He did... It, it was shop fitting, basically. So he was fitting out shops with shelves, you know, bay units, that kind of thing. Um, so not, not a high-paid job by any stretch of the imagination. And, and eventually he set up his own business and, and, and used, you know, he's a talented lad um, and, and kind of found his, his calling with his, with his own little small business, but which lasted him until he retired, actually. Um, but for a while, a good couple of years, it was a struggle. And I would have nightmares at night about money. And I would wake up in sweats or in sometimes terrified um, seeing a huge ball of money, of copper coins, crashing through the roof of my ceiling. And I remember still to this day distinctly one particular occasion when I, I woke up but I was still dreaming and I could see the ceiling cracking and the, this ball, huge ball of money, you know, atlas sized ball crashing through and my mum came in and, and she was saying you know what's wrong you're, you're dreaming I was saying look look you know it's gonna it's gonna crush us <laughs> get out right so it, that must have had some pretty deep impact on on my psychology um, at, at the time right and that obviously wasn't for me an insight into unsound money but what it did provide was an insight into uh, the fact that it, it can come and go easily and lead to an enormous amount of stress uh, in people's lives uh, and so I Ended up, you know, went through high school, college, university, and I was determined to make money, as much money as I could, really, and, and help out uh, my family should I need to, and, and not have to put my own kids, when I had a family, in the same position, because I remembered how horrible it was for me and my family. So um, I ended up working in tech uh, and that's that's my background I work in in in, in technology um, and it, it's it's not been really for a love of, of tech I've always kind of been you know love tinkering around with gadgets and what have you I'm not a techie but um, but I, I saw that as an, as a route with where you know the, the technology trend was going um, to, to be able to put you know a decent amount of of food on, on the family's table uh, each night. So I guess in parallel to that, you know, love, love my folks. My mum's no longer with us, but my, my dad is. Uh, had a nice weekend with him this, this, this week. Um, did, they, did they stay together in the end? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. Right, okay. yeah. And my, my mum was like a rock for my dad. Uh, she really helped him to help the family she provided the glue through all of that she ended up taking you know uh, jobs uh, to help us pay the bills uh, during that time as well so yeah she, she was great um, but what my what my sort of separately my, my dad um, he, he's a socialist and a pretty proud one as well actually um, but the environment that he grew up in uh, you know in, in the middle of Liverpool he worked as a docker uh, to begin with, and 
and then sort of try to, to strike out um, away from that. Um, he, despite the fact that he was what he described as a good socialist, um, he, he always had a mistrust in government. And I remember him often berating, you know, the TV or the newspaper um, with, with, yeah. And, and he always tried to instill that mistrust in government. And, and, uh, or, well, not, not, not mistrust, but he always encouraged me to uh, question authority, really. So that, that probably planted the seed more than anything, but it was, it was really only when I got into my late 20s that I started to see how the political game was played. Um, the, the fact that what we have today is essentially you know, two wings of the same turkey uh, playing games. You know, useless politicians or, or helpfully useless ones. Um, uh, with no real policy, fundamental policy change and things actually changing come, come election day. And I suppose it was around about the mid-2000s after things like 9-11 had happened and suddenly the world started to change and we were engaged in wars in you know, countries that had nothing to do with you know, certain events and what have you, that I just started to, to look more into it. And, and I suppose that that questioning authority, and, and also, in fact, it was it, there was one particular film I think that the orange pilled me, or sorry, red pilled me, which was the Zeitgeist movies. And I, I think any Bitcoiners out there will probably know about is it Peter Joseph who who made the film. He's he's not a Bitcoin fan, and I, I think you know he he's much more on the kind of technocratic utopian side of things than we we would be. But his his Zeitgeist movie really open my eyes to the, the content that was portrayed in that film and that just led me onto a path of, of reading more and more about um, history as it's been written versus history as it's happened um, and I didn't look back from there really yeah, it, was, it was fertile soil um, and that ultimately led me to Bitcoin Ultimately led me to Bitcoin. Yeah, I piled in in 2010, so a year after Bitcoin came on the scene. I wasn't aware of it, obviously, at that point. But I'd become so disgusted with the financial system and the monetary system, central banking, that I thought I'm not supporting this. I, I and and I had a fair amount of cash at the time as well, and the fact that my my cash could be used to provide leverage and fractional reserve banking uh, and just further increase the debt burden and, and you know, increase the speed of the treadmill, uh, creating you know, inflated house prices, etc., inflated asset prices. I just thought I don't want to be part of that game. And I, I thought that at the time we were going to have another version of the global financial crisis I thought, where's my money going to be safest? And 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 and, and actually, I, I actively took a decision to get it out of the, the banking system as an act of defiance against central banks. Um, so it wasn't like I was looking for mad gains. I, I was motivated as much by wanting to, to, to say, screw you, 
uh, with, because of the disgust that I have for this this system and what it's contributed to, uh, as much as you know protecting the the wealth that I had at the time as well. So um, as a result of that, which is you know I, just, I, I picked the wrong horse. I didn't do badly off it. Um, I mean, silver was a bit of a shit show over the last ten years for anybody who's hold, held those bags for that long. Yep. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Gold, yep, yeah, fine. Um, that, that's done well, but I mean, everything pales into insignificance compared to to Bitcoin. But it's funny mm-hmm. because my my first touch point was with Bitcoin was in two thousand and thirteen, and I had some technical issues which put me off the path. And it was only sort of two thousand. Well, actually, it was yeah, two thousand fifteen, two thousand sixteen. I started getting more into it. And then 2017, when the touch paper really lit properly. Mate, that's, yeah, I mean, everybody's trodden their own path of the hero's journey, haven't they? But uh, yeah, it's funny you bring up silver. Because, um, <laughs> you know, you're reading the book right now. We, we, we left Singapore in 2014. And at that point, I'd had an 18 year career. <clears throat> and I, I thought I'd been doing everything right. I thought I'd been saving. I thought I'd been putting it into investment vehicles and um, index funds and whatever else that you get sold as a unwitting expat with a little bit of expendable cash by these pariahs mm-hmm. that um, circle around you that call themselves certified financial advisors, which uh, is another you know big bugbear of mine. Um, I talked to Andy Edstrom about this, I think, on our original show. Um, that was what once pill, once bitten pilled me. Andy's show was, I went looking for interviews with Andy Edstrom, and that was how I found your first show. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Last year, beginning of last year, right? Yeah, he was one of the first guests. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it would have been... Uh, February, March, yeah, maybe March, April time of um, of two thousand twenty. Yeah. yeah, man, great guy, great Bitcoiner, and a great book. Why buy Bitcoin? Yeah, absolutely, a deserved shell. Yeah, for uh, for Andy. Um, yeah, but so when we left, I was looking for a store of value because you know I'm thinking shit. I'm thirty seven, married, four kids. Yeah, that that's that doesn't add up to like uh you know checking out of life at this point and uh yeah i bought some silver bags uh oh my god (laughs) (laughs) and i even knew about bitcoin right this is the crazy thing i even knew about bitcoin and it just ran off about two or three times at that stage yeah and uh, yeah how how things might be different but uh, anyway, here we are, and we're still in the one to two percent of people that have um, have taken the time to educate ourselves about Bitcoin and, and give back to the community as well. So, yeah, what can you do? Yeah, yeah. Everybody comes into it. At, well, there there are some people that say everybody gets into it. Yeah, everybody gets you know the amount of Bitcoin that they deserve, which is yeah, there's no way of of proving or disproving that point. But I think at least everybody who's grokked it at this point fully. Uh, and I it. would argue, I would argue the reverse to that. Right. Everybody sells Bitcoin at the price they deserve. Mm. And I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you, Taleb, and yeah. uh, Musk, and all of these other 
because Bitcoin has this innate ability to expose these charlatans yeah. that, that come in and try and start messing around with it. Um, so yeah, you, you will end up selling Bitcoin at the price you deserve. And uh, if it's in, if it's anywhere under hundred K then unlucky. Yeah. Because, you know, yeah. Yeah. Well, my, my plan is, is to spend it. Yeah. I, I, I very much sit in the camp that is envisioning hyper Bitcoinization happening. And I, I don't even, that, that's, I could have been argued that that was crazy, right? At various points in Bitcoin's history. It's that, that's just an absolutely badass moonshot. And it's obviously unrealistic at various points in Bitcoin's history until just the next step tick tock the blocks keep getting churned out and we now find ourselves in a position where el salvador has made it legal tender we've got uh, proposals going into the paraguayan government in july to make it legal tender uh, you you I, I listened to something with uh, mr your friend and my and my mr michael sailor uh, not so long ago where he talks about this little creature that dwells at unfathomable fathoms beneath the surface of the sea, right? Lives sort of three to 600 meters below the, the sea surface called the uh, chambered Nautilus. Have you heard this? No. It's, um, it's this little, Where was this? little curved kind of shell creature. I don't remember the name of the, the interview that, it, I, that I heard. It was a podcast? It, it, yeah, it, yeah I, okay. it was on YouTube. I know what... I know what you mean. That you find the shells all over the shores, right? Of, um, yeah, yeah, right, right. So, and it, he he explains that it provides the model for how you grow under pressure, which is that it starts off incredibly small and it just adds a bit to the shell, and then it uses that slightly enlarged shell to as as the structure, the new larger, stronger structure to add a bit more. So it doesn't suddenly kind of grow in, and emerge very quickly into its full size because if it did that, it would implode under the weight of the, the water right so instead it's just these incremental bits of, of growth and, and that analogy for me is perfect for describing bitcoin right just very, very simply put and I, and I also think for for explaining the growth of bitcoiners as well right this is this is why it's difficult to orange pill somebody because they just implode under the weight of all this new knowledge and fanaticism and enthusiasm that you're bringing to them. So I've alienated <laughs> friends over the years, man. It's funny when you get red pilled or orange pilled, don't you notice that the number of dinner party invites you get starts drying up? <laughs> <laughs> We're not getting him round again. So, you know, and they, they just crumble under the weight of it. So you ha I now very much having been there and done that, I now very much subscribe to the idea of, of trying to just gently lay the seeds with people so that they can add the next bit of the shell to their own bodies and grow into it over time. I think it's the only way, really. Yeah, that's a cool analogy. Mate, have you got a light? Because you've lost the sun behind you um, and now I'm talking uh, <clears throat> to yes, just an empty, uh, a dark space. There we go. There you go. Yeah, you're back. Sorry about that. We should... Um, Just to bring it back to your dad and um, what you said about, you know, he's a socialist mm -hmm. uh, and 
he would still end up screaming and yelling at the television. And it's it's just it's quite timely. I had a just a, a a quick exchange with somebody the other day who was telling me, "Oh well, it's high time for us to move away from capitalism," and I almost spit my beer out. Mm. I'm like, you know, it's like, yeah. And you know, this is coming from somebody of a of a socialist mindset yeah. that is still complaining. And you're like, where did these lines get so blurred that you have no idea? that we've never lived under a capitalist like what you know what a capitalist you know free market society should look like all we've ever had is crony capitalism by your socialist leaders yeah so like that again the root problem here is the the socialist part that's what you but you it, it's such a sleight of hand yeah. that has that has just crept up on us but you know, I attribute my education on this to to people like uh, you know Saifedean and um, and Rob. You know, Rob Breedlove's done a great job of uh, of laying that out, and let's hope he comes back to us in uh, in due in due time. Um, but yeah, you just you just mentioning that. Have you ever had that conversation like uh, with him or? other people around you that are saying the same kind of thing. And because I find that really difficult, really, really very difficult. Yeah. I mean, with my dad, he's, he's getting on a bit now. He's still great for his age and I can have a, a good crack with him and we could have a, a heated debate. And he, he, he loves that. He, he loves arguing actually. <laughs> yeah. He loves, he loves arguing. So maybe I'm a chip, chip off the old block in, in that respect. He's open to it, and I, I've got to admit, I put when I'm talking to him, I know what makes him tick, and I know how to put the case forward. So invariably, he'll end up agreeing, and because I'm, I'm spending so much time engaged in this stuff, I, I've, I've mostly got uh, the means to debunk arguments that he's putting forward and bring insights that he simply won't have considered. Um, I mean, it's yeah, it's funny. He's 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 the world's most ardent JFK conspiracy buff, right? He he, that's his hobby, right? Now that he's he's properly retired and he's cracking on, he just loves hanging around in JFK forums, trying to figure out who done it. But but when it comes to other things, he's. He's much more how he how he was in conventional thinking. I mean, people are, 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 when they spend a lot of time watching TV, particularly, you know, he's quite sedentary. They'll spend their time in front of the TV, and and they'll go towards channels and viewpoints that they 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 like. Like they're seeking confirmation bias, whether they know it or not. And so he'll watch a lot of left left wing media, mainstream media. I swear this is part of the lockdown bullshit, man. Right. Put people in front of the TV. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, you you stick someone in front of the TV. It's like Alex Jones said. You know, you're you're, you're putting them in front of the barrel of a gun, and mm. and the the that weapon is so well refined at this point that people are largely helpless in front of it. They don't have the means. They don't have the critical thinking faculties to defend themselves. Because 
those critical thinking faculties, those innate ones, like we were talking about earlier, are, are drilled out of you over time. And you're actively encouraged to buy into the, you know, argumentum ad vericundium, you know, the, the argument to authority, the appeal to authority and, and the experts. And, and so, yeah, so I've, I've had... I've had plenty of arguments with him, and and I think the the root cause of this attack on capitalism. I agree with you. I don't think we have we don't have free markets because we don't have free money. Excuse me. We have we have centralised control of money and credit, which is the fifth pillar of the Marxist manifesto. So, at the very core of what people would describe as capitalist society, you have a communist institution. And that's by design, in my book. So the fact that we've got the NSM hawks now and these groups such as the World Economic Forum and the IMF and cronies oh. that they have in all pockets of society. You know, even you saw Mark Carney and Lynn mm -hmm. Forrester Rothschild with the Pope uh, a month or so ago introducing inclusive capitalism and reimagining capitalism well actually if you really wanted to reimagine it and create something that worked and and and, uh, and created this is the you know we, we need to kind of the, the, the take the focus away from what creates the conditions that lead to poverty and put the focus on what creates the conditions that lead to prosperity and what creates those conditions is free markets, sound money, people mm -hmm. being able to save, being able to work, you know, toil and actually store their energy uh, and do so liberally with people and not be throttled by whether it be bad money or <clears throat> government tic-tacs, rules, regulations that prevent them from engaging. So this, this I, I see it as, as quite sinister, agendas, you know, that that that's being pushed on us now, and it's no surprise to me to hear that you're you're. I've seen them as well. I've seen some examples, um, not from friends. I've not seen that many friends recently, but I, I see evidence of uh, of this anti-capitalist. Well, it's in fact it's everywhere. Anti-capitalist um, mindset is is pretty widespread now, and. That's not a surprise because we have a because the socialists have control of the media, media. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, and they can say, you know they'll, they'll just but it's it's weird. Like I, I come to this um, epiphany about um, Orwell's book 1984 when I was reading it for the first time. I don't know about six months ago, and um, each morning Winston wakes up and he has no choice. Right, that 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 screen in his room is set to come on. Yeah. This is what Orwell missed. We switch it on willingly. Right. For way longer than Winston was ever, ever subjected to it. It might be like five to 10 minutes a day. Yeah. Um, and you had no choice. It was going to come on. Now we have the choice and we switch it on willingly. And when we're not watching that dog shit, yeah. we're on Facebook or, yeah. you know, like a normie Twitter feed or a normie Insta feed or, or something, whatever it is, it's so pervasive. Yeah. And like you were saying, 
people that they're drawn to it like you know kind of moths to light and their biases they're just being force fed their biases mm. it's just like candy it's like eye and ear candy yeah it's amazing it is. and if you don't like bbc one you just turn over to itv in the uk for example and, and here's one thing i realized what one thing what one thing about the uk if you think about like the last six years in the uk the narrative has been four years no seven years like five years brexit switch two years covid yeah they're the two stories yeah yeah it's unbelievable yeah and prior to that terrorism yeah for how long right so be afraid uh be divided and be controlled and afraid mm -hmm. and divided and divided yeah yeah so why 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 do people do that i, I think they are trying to fill holes in their psyche right if if and this is the whole sort of driving behind consumerism as well if if you if you get popped out of the school system without the, the the faculties required to make it in the real world and very few people are let's face it and 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 this is part of the reason why a lot, very large percentage of people go right i'm going to go to college and i'm going to go to uni i'm going to get myself a load of debt and i'm going to go into the corporate world is because they just need people to tell them what to do right factory fodder, modern factory fodder, but it's office cubicles instead of production lines. And that, again, is by design. That's not conjecture on my part. The, the evidence is out there. The books have been written for, for decades and decades. You know, original source material as well. This is how they wanted to create a, a class of people who would willingly give up their self-sovereign aspirations you know back in what the mid 1900s 75 percent of americans was was essentially self-sufficient the other 25 percent were working towards being so that required a fundamental shift in how society was organized you know can you spot any parallels to that happening right now hmm. so there are people and it was achieved through institutional schooling um, and so what that gave rise to, in my view, was a, a class of people who were not only willingly looking to wait for people to tell them what to do, but it, it created a, a, a huge void in people's self-esteem, as well as in their skill sets. And, and it's that, in my view, that's the main driver behind modern, you know, behind consumerism. Because if you, if you don't have a high level of self-esteem, you try. You, there is a there is a void inside of you that you try to fill with shit, mm -hmm. crap, products that you don't need. And when you sit in front of the TV, not only are you um, being sold products and services that you don't need, and you'll willingly buy it, and you'll figure out not long after you've maybe bought it that why did I get this? I don't need this. And you'll try and replace it later on for something slightly better. The same thing happens. We are consumers, not just of sh cheap shit from it from China, but mainstream shit as well, right?
that, that is, is feeding different parts of our, our mind and our psychology with, with other crap. And we're never satiated, actually. We're never satiated. Nope. So, and, and that applies for, right, I need a new car, I need a better this, I need a better that, we need a better lamp, you know, we need to um, keep up with the Joneses. The, the same thing kind of applies. If you're not getting fed well in your mind, then you it's like returning to the junk, junk food, right? Reaching for the sweets, the candy, the, the bag of crisps, the crap. Your body's just craving something, and it, but it's not getting it. But if you, if you don't understand what's going on, then you're just going to reach for more of it, trying to rationalize the answers. So we, we, we have this, this consumer society uh, that's being preyed on by producers, and they can either produce good stuff or they can produce bad stuff, and the bad stuff enriches them. It doesn't fulfill or enrich us, and that's just how it, how it is. By and large, obviously there's there's ex exceptions to that, but when it comes to, to major corporations, if you look at who sponsors the likes of the World Economic Forum, these entities are not uh, beneficial, in my view, necessarily for the the, the planet or, or in any way beneficent either. So we've got our work cut out, and, and if you want to, yeah, like we were saying with, with Lauren earlier. This is this has happened on a mass scale, right? And the only way out of it is for you to take control of your own life and try and see the game for what it is. Turn off that crap on your TV screen. Number one, stop filling your fridge and your cupboards with with rubbish as well. Stay away from the middle aisle in the supermarket and <clears throat> and while you can. Fill, fill your fridge and your freezer with, with meat and vegetables and the things that are good for you um, and, and reclaim control uh, where you're able to do so. Yeah, mate. And I know you've got a... Um, in, in previous discussions we've had, your, your ears have been pricked whenever the World Economic Forum are tweeting or saying anything. And uh, you were very much ahead of the curve of there's some bad shit coming from these guys. Mm. So what was it that kind of triggered you to to look a little bit deeper under what was going on there? In probably February or March last year, so 2020, as, as in fact, pr prior to that, I'd, I'd say that I, I, was, I was well ahead of the curve when it came to COVID. I was the only one in the supermarket wearing a mask when I was going and doing my shopping and stocking up on soap, toothbrushes, <laughs> long life tin food, etc. some toilet rolls, as we all did. Um, and I don't give a shit about people looking at me, right? I mean, most people couldn't recognise me under a mask anyway, so it didn't really make any difference. But this was unheard of in the UK. You look, you look around the rest of the world and in, in parts of Asia, then the masks are a, a, a little more commonplace with this heavy pollution. But in the UK, nobody wears masks when you go into the supermarket. But I, I was, you know, I don't, I don't watch mainstream media. And so I actually became a bit of a victim 
to the propaganda that was coming out about COVID in China. And I think it, many people would remember the, the videos of people collapsing in the street. And it was being amped up. So this wasn't just mainstream driven. And I'm not denying that there's a, a there's been a nasty virus going around, by the way, here. You know, I'm, I'm fully on board with the fact that there's been something um, that, that's been making a lot of people ill, very poorly in some cases. But but the, those videos in particular, I think, were clearly propaganda. I, I haven't, and I don't know anybody, I've not seen any evidence of people dropping face first on the floor like we saw there, nor the streets being sprayed, you know, treetop to, to gutter with whatever it is, antiseptic, whatever, mist, right? Dry ice, by the looks of it, I guess, thinking back. So... So I was I was I was aware of the fact that that or could see that there was something brewing here, um, and we all remember SARS and and swine flu. But actually, with with swine flu in particular, I, you know, I have my, my 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 daughter. She was a baby in arms at the time, and and I, and so I because I had young kids didn't really pay much attention to it. And certainly, eleven years ago, I wasn't as far down the rabbit hole as as I am now, and certainly didn't see how deep the rabbit hole went so so see but seeing this come around again now I, I thought okay this is a genuine threat to our health and we need to we need to protect ourselves um i thought it was appropriate to, to wear a mask because there could have been people in the supermarket who were carrying this terrifying virus so i, I wore one for a little while but i uh, the, the, the the switch happened with with the world economic forum when I saw over the, the period of um, 48 hours, probably, two or three days, and I think it was, it was either late February or, or early March, this new normal term appearing. And without doxing myself, I saw it appearing quite clearly in the corporate space. And I saw it happening right at the same time uh, with the media. So the, the Guardian, the Telegraph, the Times, you know, BBC, ITV, etc. WAPO, all the rest of it, you know, the, the, the papers and publications in other parts of the world. It, it was a script. They were, you don't find terms like this coming out of nowhere and being adopted so quickly and so uniformly with associated narrative wrapped around it, unless it's by design. And, and it doesn't happen in nature, right? It doesn't happen in society either. So there was something driving this. And when I, when I, when I realised that this had obviously been something that this narrative had been planted I started questioning it and I there would there's far better researchers out there who would have looked into this stuff but from my own from my own investigations small eye I, I saw it first appear on the World Economic Forum back in August 2019 so they coined the phrase and then we had was it Event 201, which was their pandemic preparedness. And that included 
various talking points that ultimately bore out with the pandemic. So I have deep suspicions about that organisation, um, Klaus Schwab. I can't actually tweet them anymore or see what they say because they've blocked me. So has the head of communications for them, who I saw putting some absolutely bizarre tweets. And when I called him out on them, suggesting that this whole Great Reset agenda was, was about something far more sinister than they were, were letting on, he blocked me as well. So I can't really interact with, with those guys anymore. But, yeah, I, I, I think the... Yeah, there's something amiss there. There's something amiss there. And I, people will make of that what they will, make, make of my viewpoint what they will. But I, I, I don't think you need everybody in institutions like that or big corporates or big companies to be on board uh, if there is some nefarious agenda at play, which I personally think there is. You just need a, a, a handful of key players. Um, so, yeah, so they, they became uh, a target for me. Um, and I, I push back because, again, I'm, I don't care. You know, I'm, I'm not scared of anything or anyone. Um, and I wanted to not give them an easy ride and show them that there was resistance and true to form. They just blocked out the noise, carry on. So, what do you make of them? Same as you, pretty much, mate. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, there's so much to come out of what's been going on over the last two years that, I mean, it's sobering to really even talk about it, but it, it, it could easily turn out to be one of the biggest crimes against humanity that, uh, <laughs> we've ever known yeah. and it's been a in the 20th century was no walk in the park right yeah 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 absolutely it's it's got it's got tough competition but i think it could do it yeah um there there, there are hopeful signs um i mean i don't know how far you want to go down this route but likes of Reiner Formich and cases that he's bringing about. I was out with a doctor friend last night who's here in the UK, very, very heavily plugged into um, a large number of doctors and scientists, both here in the UK and abroad. They're using the likes of Telegram and Sig Signal, excuse me, um, to ensure that they don't, you know, deplatforming is a very real thing now. Um, there's, there's the likes of Odyssey and Rumble and BitChute all sprouting up as a direct result of YouTube adopting a very heavy-handed approach to censorship, which is obviously horrible. Um, we're all obviously addicted to Bitcoin, Twitter. That's a bit of a, an outlier as far as that kind of thing is concerned. But even Jack, I think Jack can't say much. Twitter, I think, is far bigger than him. Um, and so we we give him a lot of shit for the censorship, right? Uh, and the accounts who get, who get deleted 
but I, I think probably a lot of those decisions are just well outside of his hands and that's led to him seeking open source alternatives you know he's obviously a massive bitcoiner he's described bitcoin as the most important project that's happening on the planet and if he thought he needed it he would leave twitter and and square to pursue it full time now that's quite the endorsement and i think that signals that the guy is one of us deep down right and that he shares a lot of bitcoiner values but the fact that he's trying to create an open source version of of Twitter as well. I mean, ju just those examples, you know, my friend, Jack, you know, the platforms that have all popped up. These are all incredibly hopeful signs. And, and when you talk about you earlier trying to speak to your friends and hitting a brick wall, and then creating once bitten as a, as a, as a kind of direct response of that, that's the unintended consequence, right? And it, it's, it's the one gift that you get from being blocked off or, or stopped from uh, hearing your message or getting your message heard. And something beautiful gets created as a result of it, right? What we had before was YouTube and we now have three platforms, arguably more, I don't know how many there are. Um, we've had censorship on Facebook and Twitter, and you see the rise of, of Telegram and Signal and and Sphinx chat, right? We've got stuff being built mm -hmm. out on the Bitcoin network now as well. So these problems and these headwinds that we're facing are inevitable, and I guess necessary as well. And I'm not saying that we should we should welcome welcome the headwinds, but if you if you look at it from a different perspective like you did with your book you know you and claire writing different different parts of the book you get a very different story um and and so as much as we feel like we might be losing some of these battles we're waging many more and that ultimately leads me to think that in the end we win the war There's no alternative, right? Right. There's, uh, that's, it's, it's got to happen. There really isn't. Mate, we should, we should, um, we should talk about 21ism for a little bit. Otherwise, bad as a bill lower. Yeah. The boys shout out to, to, to Batters and Self Banked, Max, Rubble Money, and Mr. Crown. Uh, my, my brothers in arms at 21ism. Uh, great guys all care very passionately about about bitcoin and doing cool stuff and i've really enjoyed it actually they, they invited me to that party earlier this year and i've interviewed some really cool bitcoiners uh, i got to interview Fr fractal encrypt as my first one and uh bavarian hoddle who had uh, i've just ripped an interview with uh, some guys who were building something called the bitcoin machines which will give the bot clock a run for its money. It looks super, super cool. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Chair force as well. Chair yeah, force, not... I mean, the laser eye king. He was, mm -hmm. he was great. He, 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 he kind of started off by saying how, how incapable he was of, of, with, with the spoken word and how that's why he, he memes. Uh, the memes are his weapon of choice and he ended up ripping a really fantastic um, interview with me. He's a, he's, a, he's a great lad. He's a great lad. Really, really solid guy. So yeah, everybody I've spoken to, I've just, I've just enjoyed it for what it is. Yeah, and, and 
if I wasn't enjoying it, then I wouldn't do it. But I am, and, and the guys working with with those those. And you're involved in it as well, Dan. Right? You know, we, yeah. we've got we've got amazing contributors and, like you and Valis. and JV. Yeah, fantastic. RD as well. RD, Shout out yeah. for RD. RD yeah. has put some some awesome memes together and. You did the interview with him as well, if if I'm not mistaken, back in... Not with RD. Was it no. not RD? Okay. Well, no. someone did an interview with him, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's 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 so much fun. It's so, And we get to chat about shit and chat about Bitcoin weekly together, you know, in, in, in closed forum and, and plot out different projects. So we have got a uh, whiskey that we're bringing out with Have Fun Staying Poor, P-O-U-R. And it's called the Genesis Block. And this is a... Oh, you've got your samples there, you lucky swine. I haven't I haven't had any of those. <laughs> Have you tried it yet? No. Right, I'm so gonna, you, you're waiting I'm to do a do group it. tasting, I'm, right? Uh, an interview tasting, okay. I think, is, okay. the, uh, Brilliant. is the idea. Right, but, you've uh, not dipped yeah. into it? None. Or... So what you have behind you is a gorgeous bottle of 12-year-old Ardmore that was mise en cask on January the 3rd, 2009. So this whiskey was born on, on Genesis block day. You know, it's exactly the same age as Bitcoin. So for me, the thing I love about this project is I love whiskey. Big fan of whiskey. I drink as much of it as I possibly can. Uh, it's the ultimate low time preference consumption item, right? And I'm definitely going to be getting a bottle. Whether I will ever drink it is another question. I mean, what what <laughs> do you do, right? That becomes such an heirloom and it will last as long as you want it to last. So I, I don't know. I don't know. That That's a nice problem to have, right? So we've got that coming out. Uh, we've also we're bringing out. Mate, mate, mate! You don't. All right, sorry. You don't want to give too many spoilers. <laughs> but badders will be all over you. It'll yeah. Be like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. What are you guys talking about this shit for? Yeah. But you. The, the, but there's also been like the um, uh, the comics that uh, that have come out and yeah. uh, you know. Self banned. You guys all, sketches. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and you guys will be in part as well of the. Um, I think a lot of you. I think a lot of us. If not all of us were part of the white paper voice the project, voice paper, yeah, yeah, that, that Dim put together, the voice paper, yeah. Uh, there's so much great work going on in the space that um, is brilliant, but Twenty One ism, in particular, uh, is doing some incredible work, and yeah, it, I knew you'd be lit up to be a part of that, and uh, yeah, well, congratulations on on stepping up and doing the interviews. Um, because you, you were known for your memes beforehand, uh, and now we've got a voice to the meme. Yeah. Mur. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, it's it's great fun, uh, and I, I, I've I've learned from from ex podcasting experts like Lauren, and you know you've not been too shabby as well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I've not found it I've not found it coming naturally either. Um, when I, when I look at the stuff that you put out and and what John Vallis puts out, uh, uh, it, I, I mean, 
all 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 you guys who've been doing this for a while or or just you're just so natural with it all i found what really helped me overcome my anxiety about you know, am i going to be able to rip a good interview with people was deciding to just have a chat and enjoy it and get what i wanted out of it you know we obviously if i the doing the design category i find um really fun because I get to talk about new products with, with people. Uh, and, and having designed a product myself, I, I, I love vibing with, with guys who are, who are making physical stuff and, and, and putting it out there. But yeah, maybe having that kind of anchor but, and then just finding out about their stories. It's, it's fun. I, yeah, I love Bitcoin, love Bitcoiners. And uh, what more could you ask for that you get to shine a light on, on other people, you know, makers in the space who are, who are crafting awesome stuff, whether it be products or memes, music, art, what have you. I just think it's it's cool doing it. I, I really enjoy doing it. Is there is there talk of a twenty one ism offsite in France yet? Is is that uh, is that in the works? We there has been, hasn't there? And we we, <laughs> we absolutely need to make that happen. We need to get our friend Obi at Coinfloor. Here you go, Obi. Um, yeah, yeah, involved in that. So I, th I think he was uh, he was on the case there as well. So yeah, we, we, we'd, we'd love we'd love to do that, Dan. If you, if you've got any spare room in in your uh, your hay barn, Badders, yeah, right. Badders, and I will um, we'll, we'll figure something out. Uh, I think he has the perfect site in mind. Right. So uh, that'll be uh, so. Cool. Maybe that'll be the big uh, whiskey tasting session. Great. And, uh, a campfire and some some good steaks. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. I'm in. Sounds perfect. Under the stars, uh, mate. I've I've got to ask you. Of course, you know if you had one orange pill left to give, who would you give it to, and why? I've got a few I need to give out. Don't know if that's permitted. maybe, mate. Well, maybe you just break it up and uh, yeah, okay, yeah. I'll, I'll break it up. Yeah. I'd like to give Jacob Rothschild one just to see the look of horror on his face, <laughs> like a bad trip. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're gonna do what? <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, don't worry, it's just a trip. Don't worry, none of that will come true. I think from a I mean, if you're thinking about like I'm doing with with what the next steps are, right? Being the the, the chambered Nautilus, the the Paraguayan uh, Congress, you know, making sure that they go, yeah, we'll sign up, and then it's, you know, one, two. Once we've got the third, everybody, yeah, we've got a crowd, and everybody wants to be part of a crowd. Is is the, the the famous follower video? shows right yeah um so paraguayan congress would definitely get one uh, purely on the basis that his tentacles are absolutely everywhere i'd give bill gates part of one that's that's purely to help propagate this and amp it i'd give one to greta for her uh, environmentalist credentials because that's something that people just get so badly wrong and i think environmentalists could be such a I'm not saying bitcoin needs them but you know they, they would be such great supporters 
of, of Bitcoin. And given that they give a shit about the planet, you know, their heart's in the right place. Uh, they're just looking in the wrong direction for solutions. That would definitely have to be one. And maybe my final bit would be to my, my brother-in-law, Tony. <laughs> because, you know, the, we're, we're only people, right? And, and our, our friends and yeah, our family and our loved ones mean a lot to us. And he's the only one who I haven't bloody orange-pilled yet. So, yeah, he'd, he'd get the last one. I'm still working on him. I've got his two kids on it. You know, his, my, nice. his, my wife, his sister, my, his, my sister, his wife, but not, not him. Just... You know, it's the, I think it's the ego, I think it's the ego, you know, and I, I'm, I'm thinking about Croesus's uh, bell curve. The yuppies. The yuppie yeah. elite, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he loves the corporate game. He absolutely loves the corporate game. Uh, you know, quoting from the Harvard Business Review and all the rest of it, he's the, the MD of a company. Uh, so if, if he's not heard about it and it's not being applied in the business context, then it's not mainstream, not not interested, but I, I think it's going to catch everybody, irrespective of who we orange pill. I do love the fact that, uh, yeah, I've, I've got to admit that that people have to come to this one person at a time and do the work. It it feels right. It just feels right, and Bitcoin is immovable. You know, in spite of the headwinds, it just keeps churning out the blocks. It doesn't, it doesn't need us and the people that find it when they do so, it's because they've, they've earned their place there and there's something really poetic about that. And one more question I want to throw at you and try out because this just came up on holiday when I was having a drink with my wife. If you could spend one day in the future or the past, what would you choose? Ooh. Past. Yeah, one day in the past. Um, which one it would be, I don't know. <laughs> you can create a lot of a lot of good fortune for yourself, and <laughs> I would, I, I would go back and Jan fourth, two thousand nine. Yeah, that would be a good day. That would be a good day. I'd go and see my mum. And then I'll spend the day with her, have a have a couple of drinks with her, shooting the shit, and and catch up, and then I'd spin up a Bitcoin miner. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Yeah, that would and be great. that Bitcoin miner would just be there the day that you return. Yes, absolutely. And Brilliant. Uh, oh, oh shit! <laughs> well, look at that. <laughs> well, mate, Good it's question. been. It's been a great, it's been a great rip. It's um, we've almost gone for two hours, uh, and it feels as though we could just keep banging on. And I'm sure um, we're probably going to make the podcasters' mistake, like I told you, never record before or after you hit record. Right. Um, but we'll probably we'll probably carry on after this. But uh, how can people um, come and find you? Say hi, reach out, and um, interact with you, and, and find Sats Ledger and. and Anything else? Where, where can you point people? All right. So I am at MTCBTC on Twitter. L Microchad. L Microchad. Yeah. <laughs> For now. Uh, and I am also at Sats Ledger. So satsledger.com. 
If anybody has listened this far, then he... Actually, Dan, I've got a competition for your listeners, right, if they have listened this far, and, and any kids as well. So satsledger.com is where you can find it. If you want to pick up a, a pack of Sats Ledgers and stickers, use the code, promo code, ONCEBITTEN, uh, to get 21% off. Uh, but here's here's the deal. If if you've got kids, one of my, one of my favourite quotes from somebody who you and I both admire and, and respect, who's no longer with us, Sir Ken Robinson. Right, one of his my favourite stories of his is from the school in Liverpool, where the teacher uh, a, approached a child who was drawing, and yeah. the teacher said, "What is it you're drawing there?" Charlotte and Charlotte turns to her and says well I'm drawing a picture of God and the teacher says don't be silly Charlotte nobody knows what God looks like and Charlotte says they will in a minute at quality it's the best quality so Sir Ken Robinson at his absolute best so if you um, if you have a child who likes drawing and you want to win a pack of Sats ledgers and 50,000 Satoshis, then draw a picture of what Satoshi looks like and I'll pick <laughs> the best. Submit your entry to Sats Ledger, at Sats Ledger on Twitter and I'll, I'll pick the winner. When's this going to come out? Probably this weekend, mate. All right, so let's say. At time of recording, 24th of June, yeah. for context, for 2021, for, for those that are listening to this in uh, 23, 21. Yeah, sorry, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have a hard stop on, let's say, the 5th of July. I'll pick a winner on the 5th of July. So there you go. little competition for you, for anybody who's got this far and who's got kids. So at Sats Ledger on Twitter, yeah, that's, that's where the pictures need to go. That's it, yeah. And obviously you can find me and you and the rest of the boys at... 21ism.com as well. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. And who's your next interview? Do you know for, for the next block? No, I've just just ripped Bitcoin machines, the, so it's not... That was the one you just uh, did? Yeah, so okay. that, that will be out on the 5th of, of July. Those and guys. August, are you lined up? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. So, uh, yeah, we don't know. My next one's with Jeff, Jeff Booth. Oh, my goodness. Is that for block so. nine? That's for the, the same drop as uh, right. yeah, ne- next drop. Right, yep. right. Amazing. 5th July. What, what? And then the one after, the, the one after will be Andy Edstrom, I, I think. Yeah. Fantastic. So uh, yeah. Brilliant. Doing, doing the writing blocks uh, at the moment. Awesome. Awesome. Worthy, worthy people to be featured. 100%. Absolutely brilliant, guys. All right, mate. Well, thanks so much for coming on and agreeing to do this and spending a couple of hours banging on about Oh, oh, I mean, loads of stuff, to be honest, not not just Bitcoin. And um, yeah, really appreciate it and, and look forward to seeing more of your tweets and these pictures of Satoshi. <laughs> me too. Thanks so much for having <laughs> me on, Dan. It's, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Always, always great. Um, lo- love what you do. Love the pod. Love your guests. Uh, keep cranking it out because you're, you're a real asset to the space. Really appreciate it, mate. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, see you soon. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you, MTC, for coming on the show and sharing everything that uh, we talked through there. Please, guys, go support MTC 
with his Sats Ledger project and get your kids drawing that sketch of Satoshi. Mine are already thinking about what they're going to be uh, putting forward. So you can go and find it uh, hello at satsledger.com. Uh, he's always looking out for people to connect with, especially the plebs. It's a great product. It's really awesome, and I'm sure you'll get a lot out of it. So a big thanks, MTC, for coming on. And before we wrap this one up, I always want to thank you, the plebs, for commenting on the show, for supporting the show in whatever way that you do that, whether that's uh, tweeting or uh, even sharing it with your friends. I hope it's helping and adding some value to you. I would like to mention the show sponsors again. You know who they are by now. They're Bitcoin-only companies, and they have your back. They are coinfloor.co.uk in the UK. Across Europe, it's Relay, R-E-L-A-I.ch. And in the US, it's swanbitcoin.com. Use forward slash bitten for all of those companies. To save on commission with the exchanges and to get a free 10 bucks with Swan. But then you know you have to take control of your coins. All right, guys, please get them on a hardware wallet. Use the Bitbox 021. It's Bitcoin only. It's from shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten. I'm really looking forward to the next show. Thank you again for listening. See you on the next one.